KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. There's been mistrust in government as long as I can remember, but during the last couple decades, it's really gotten stronger. Go back to the 2008 banking crisis, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic, and now it's hitting very close to home after a recent chemical spill made people skeptical of the tap water in Philadelphia, even after city officials said it was not affected. Don't drink it. You can drink it. Don't drink it, you know, so that's really a panic wave and people are panicking. Dr. Mike Smith is an associate professor of communications at LaSalle University. He talks about the state of crisis communication and how organizations and institutions can try to revive public trust. If you don't have even a baseline level of trust between citizens and their government, then you have a fundamental crisis. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, how should the government communicate effectively with its citizens, and what can Philly's recent water crisis tell us about the state of public communication? So I don't want our conversation to focus on this recent water crisis that the city of Philadelphia had as far as a communication standpoint, but I'd like to use it to start and give us some context. As someone who has studied this, who works in this, who's an expert in this, what were your takeaways, good and bad, as far as a communication standpoint you saw from this water crisis? Well, I think there were some good things that the city and the water department did. They provided a number of updates, which is a kind of a mixed blessing. I'll talk about that in a moment. They provided information, I think, kind of in the weeds a little bit about how they were handling it, how they were monitoring it, and, and that sort of thing. One of the first things you want to do in a crisis is to tell people how you are keeping them safe, how you are trying to address the situation and that sort of thing. And so I knew from a map and I knew from news reports and what the water department was putting out was that there were, you know, 12 different monitoring stations and that sort of thing. So that was good to know. There were a couple of snafus. I think the biggest one is the delay in letting people know initially that something was happening. The spill happened Friday night around midnight, granted, but it wasn't until Sunday morning morning that, you know, an official statement came out. And I think people might have wanted to know, hey, you know, this has happened. There might be something we're monitoring. And I think the two biggest things that made people worry a, a bit more than they might have needed to was first, the warning to drink bottled water, which caused a run on grocery stores all over the place, including out in Montgomery County, where, where I live, because people panicked. You hear these, you know, boil water until further notice, you know, kind of things, or or don't drink the water and that you hear that in real crisis situations in places like East Palestine where something has exploded and is dumping chemicals and it seems really dangerous it wasn't if you read the rest of the statement and what they said they said well we don't think it really poses any health threat to anybody but out of an abundance of caution you better get bottled water and you know I think the real message was we don't think there is a threat so stay the course we'll keep updating you regularly and then the periodic updates after that well it's okay until midnight and I kept thinking okay at 12.01 are we all going to get suddenly sick or something so while I appreciated the updates the sort of panic announcement and the sort of 
subsequent updates, you know, sort of that doomsday clock until we got the all clear on Wednesday or Thursday was a little unsettling, I think, for folks. The only other snafu, I think, was the fact that there wasn't a face from higher up in the administration to, you know, be on camera and sort of reassure people. Nobody knows the director of the water department. Everybody knows Mayor Kenny. And, you know, to have someone at the top to say, I believe in what they're saying, we're going to turn the briefings over to the experts, but I want to assure, you know, Philadelphians that I have the utmost confidence that we're handling this and then let the experts take over from there. But the fact that we had no real face to this until late on Sunday or early Monday even was a little bit of a challenge, I think. How do you approach something like this where you know something significant has happened, but you don't know if it's neutral, bad, catastrophic? And what would be your advice for how you approach something like that? Well, I think the best practice, uh, well, there's two, really. One is something called a standby statement, which every PR person ought to have in their back pocket to basically say, we know something has happened. We're still trying to gather information. We will brief the press and the public at, you know, this date, this time, via this means to let people know we know something has happened. I first heard some initial report about the chemical spill sometime on Saturday, right? And and it was just, oh, there was a spill. And it's like, okay, well, that sounds, you know, like it could be bad. But to just say to people, we know something has happened. We don't know how bad it's going to be or, or if there's a threat at all, but we will brief you when we learn more information, and here's when we expect to to give that briefing again. The other thing then was to tell people, and, and this is really hard for, I think, any public official, but to tell people when you don't know something. You know, always be upfront and say, we don't really know exactly what the impact is right now. Based on experience or what research says or computer models, it's not going to be a big threat, but we are monitoring it. And if there is any threat, we will let you know as soon as we know. These are incredibly difficult needles to thread because you want to give people all the information possible, but... I also heard a lot of people criticizing specifically with this. Well, you're confusing people and and giving too much and people don't have time to. So be sure to give out all the relevant information, but don't give out too much because then people are going to become glassy eyed. And that's really tough. (laughs) It is. And I think from a, a news coverage standpoint, I think there's stuff you say in the press briefing and everything, and then there's things you have available as background. So, you know, for folks in the broadcast media, like radio, you say, here's what we know in in a 30-second soundbite, say, we're monitoring it, we think everything is safe, this is what happened, but we don't think there's a threat. And then on deep background, or maybe even not deep background, you have the explanation that the water department did give on Sunday when they talked about the model water, where we had to open the valves to let some water in and, you know, to keep the water pressure up and everything. People don't necessarily need to know that, but it is important to explain what the water department had to do just to keep levels up to a a safe level so that fires can be fought and, and that kind of thing. The challenge is broadcast media, the things they need to know to reassure the public, have everything else available on there for follow-up reports or for, you know, print uh, journalists and that sort of thing where they can get deeper information. And 
then if, God forbid, something were to be worse, I guess, if they had opened those water intake and, oh my God, all these chemicals came in, then you have the information there that could explain why you did what you did and how the decision went from there. But you dole things out, they, you know, sort of on a need to know. Public needs to know this so they know they're safe and so they don't buy out every six pack of water within a three county radius and then move on from there, I think. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Mike Smith of LaSalle University right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with LaSalle University Associate Professor of Communications, Dr. Mike Smith. How do you approach, I don't want to keep referencing the, the water thing, I want to talk more in generalities. With any audience today, I would say one in three are not going to believe what a big corporation slash a big government, any kind of big entity tells them. They are going to believe it's in bad faith. They are going to believe that they are being lied to. In a lot of cases, it's because they've been lied to on multiple times, legitimately. So when you're coming from a place of good faith and just trying to give people information, what do you do when a large part of the audience isn't going to be receptive no matter what you say? Pirouetting away a little bit from the water case, but still with one foot there for a moment. In 2019, there was a, a study done by Penn that indicated about 40% of Philadelphia residents wouldn't drink the water out of the tap. They they didn't like it. They didn't think it was clean. They bought bottled water. So already 40% of the audience there didn't trust the water system to begin with. As you point out, that points to the larger picture of a lack of trust in institutions, corporations, government in particular. In the, the public relations industry and in the reputation management industry and, and that sort of thing, we have been talking about a crisis crisis and trust for probably almost a decade now, even before some of the late, you know, before the pandemic and, and so on, even going back to 2008 with the banking crisis and, and that sort of thing. And before, you know, people have begun to disbelieve what they hear from government officials, from corporate officials, etc. We used to talk when I was first in the public relations about the goodwill bank, that over time you do good PR, you run your organization well, and you talk about the good things that you're doing as a way of building up a trust bank. For a lot of organizations, the, the bank account has been overdrawn. You know, they've gone to the well and either shaded the truth or outright lied to people. And that has meant a, a lot of uh, organizations are running at a trust deficit. So it is a challenge. Are there things that you do to try to rebuild that trust or once it's gone, it's gone? Right, wrong, good faith, bad faith. But it is difficult to bring people back once they've lost this. It is no denying that it is challenging to get people to believe in the organization, to trust what you're saying again. There are some things that you do. First of all, you, you fix whatever it is that's broken. So if people don't believe in government because government hasn't worked or they've been deadlocked or whatever for years, somehow that part of it has got to change. You can't just wave a magic wand and have that happen. But it needs to change, and then you need to tell the story about how it's changing, how you're benefiting people, how 
you're doing the job that people have asked you to do, you know, particularly with government. With corporations, if you have had challenges in the way that you've dealt with customers or mistreated people or with your products, you fix those things. And there have been some corporations that have sort of turned things around a little bit. The real challenging thing now is that there is a big sort of subculture out there looking for conspiracies, looking for things that are wrong to criticize, to do what they think is investigative journalism when really it's it's just you know putting something out there and seeing if it sticks on uh, social media. And that, I think, is the big challenge, misinformation and disinformation. I could be doing a great job, but if there's a dedicated group of conspiracy theorists out there saying I'm you know, poisoning the Delaware in order to take over people's minds so that we can control them for whatever, then... Uh, it's going to be hard to get around that. To that point, there are you know a lot of people, I will say, like in a lot of low-income situations who have been pushed aside by government and corporations and force-fed lies. I get it. Like, why all of a sudden now you're going to be telling me the truth? But then there are, as you call it, a subculture. There is this for-profit group that doesn't understand how anything works, doesn't care how anything works, and will take anything they think sounds nefarious, frame it as something bad, whether it's for political gain, online, clout, whatever. And that is, that is the group that is getting bigger and bigger because it's lucrative, unfortunately. Where do you even start with that? If you're trying to come from a good faith to put a message out there, what do you do? Many years ago, there was a, a cartoon, the, a daily comic strip called Pogo. It was drawn by a guy named Walt Kelly, and it was a sometimes political. The characters were animals in a swamp, right? But one time, one of the characters said, we have met the enemy and he is us. That sometimes, as a public, we're our own worst enemies on, on these kinds of things. And I think the biggest way to combat misinformation and conspiracies is to learn how to discern accurate information from inaccurate information, to look at the sources and, and things. And again, you people come to trust some of the sources that are deliberately feeding misinformation. I think we saw that a lot during the pandemic from all sorts of things regarding public health and, and vaccinations and that kind of thing. But I think there's a you know fairly wide swath. I would like to hope there's a fairly wide swath of the public that if you show them how to discern accurate information from inaccurate information, to look from a variety of sources, to determine if anybody seems to have an agenda or would benefit by deliberately misleading you on something to to you know question that hold on to it and then to say okay how does what corporations and uh, and or government is telling me how does that sort of jibe with what i you know i have learned to be accurate in this situation. I think we need to take some responsibility for that as publics. Organizations, to the extent that they can, should continue to to fight the good fight for accurate information about their organization, to point out where inaccuracies seem to exist, and to address conspiracies and things as they uh, present themselves. What is a bigger problem, giving out too much information or not giving out enough? 
Well, I think the number one priority in any sort of crisis is to make sure people are safe and healthy and can avoid being harmed by whatever emergency there is. So the best information you can give out first is information that describes to people what has happened and sort of what the threat to them is and then what to do about that. So that's number one. I will say before day one, I'd like to meet with whoever I'd be working with to say, okay, what do you do as an organization or as a government? that could potentially become an emergency for you. I'm going to guess that spills on the Delaware or the Schuylkill are things that the water department had understood could be a possibility. So I'm going to guess they had an emergency plan in place. As I said, first thing, let people know if there's a threat and what to do about it without panicking. Unless you need to you know, spur them to some sort of action. Always be ready with that kind of information first. And then you provide, the, again, for reporters and investigators or interested citizens who want to learn more, you have that available to them through your website and other means that people have that are easily accessible. So they can, you know, if I want to learn about water intake, and how you monitor water and all that, I can dig into that. And activists will want to know that, environmental activists and so on. So, To the average person, it's just the city. It's just the state, the government, and they can't be trusted. How do you kind of handle that? Because most people don't deal in the nuance to understand, well, maybe this part's corrupt, but these people are trying to do the good job. It's just all the government or whatever. That is probably the biggest challenge. I mentioned before, you know, public decline in trust in all sorts of institutions has been dropping for about the last decade or so, and no more so than in government. Generally, it used to be that people trusted their local government or local representatives more than they trusted, you know, sort of bigger government like the federal or the state, but even that's not the case anymore. And when you can see other issues that you think the government should be doing something about, everything from education to crime to the environment and garbage pickup and all of that, when you see seemingly issues all around you, you begin to wonder whether anybody knows what they're doing. I'll say here in Philadelphia, we're layering that with a, a mayoral election coming up here. This is cynical of me to say, but nobody took advantage of the water crisis to say, oh my God, here's another thing that we need to fix in government. But for all the other issues, you have a lot of people pointing out how government isn't working in that as a candidate, they're going to fix that. So the, the challenge becomes, how do you gain trust that your solutions are going to work and, and affect the folks in the neighborhoods and around Philadelphia? Overall, trust in government is really low, and uh, I think people are very cynical about what government can do. I think when government partners with community organizations and other groups and can prove the effectiveness of that, then I think the perception begins to change a little bit. But that's really hard to do on a large scale in a big city like Philly. And you talked about the last decade, the problems with misinformation and kind of the lack of trust. As a PR professional, where are we going to be in 10 years? Because there is nothing to indicate any of this is going to get better on a macro level. That seems to be a low-key, really serious crisis. Right. I would agree with that. The trust in all kinds of institutions like democracy, the courts, elections, all of that has been called into question. And if you don't, at some level, any, any sort of good relationship 
has a certain level of trust to it. And if you don't have even a baseline level of trust between citizens and their government, then you have a fundamental crisis. And other people will, or other institutions, or other ways of, of acting will seep in to take advantage of that, I think. And so I think there is a simmering crisis, maybe not so simmering sometimes, in trust in all in institutions. And if we don't have that sort of trust, then it's going to be hard to make communities function. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.